0: We've been speaking from the book of Malachi, and last week I introduced to you a theme from verse number 16, that the Lord hearkened, they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name and I introduced the concept of a book of remembrance a book of remembrance there's a lot of things about God that that I know a lot of things about God I know one thing I know about God is God is an omnipresent God. He's everywhere. He's an omniscient God, meaning that he's an all-knowing God. Now, some people would take this and say, well, if he's an all-knowing God, then he, he already knows some things, and why doesn't he change them? He's all-knowing in the sense that he knows what's going to happen but he does not manipulate if he manipulated the situations and circumstances then he would a lot of times go against our will now to properly wrap our mind around a concept of an all knowing ever present all loving God Understanding God is a God that renders unconditional love, unconditional love. Now, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here today. We celebrate this uh, particular day with all of the fathers. And and uh, before you leave, we have a little gift for you in, in the atrium. So please stop by and, and, and pick up a little gift. And so... Uh, happy Father's Day! But understanding, the scripture oftentimes refers to him as a father. Now, I understand for some of you, father. Just the mention of the word father brings great recollection. It 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 was uh, you had the the greatest of, of fathers, and and even understanding fathers. Fathers are not perfect. They uh, they're people. And so sometimes they disappoint us. Sometimes uh, they encourage us. Sometimes they're present and sometimes they're not present. And so even the mention of a father for some of you brings great memories. It brings just, wow, I had the greatest of fathers. He was there all the times. And yet sometimes the word father for other people brings not so good memories. Uh, they they're not pleasant thoughts because maybe your father walked out on you and maybe your father abandoned you or maybe your father abused you and so your mental image of a father is is tainted and clouded and yet the Bible says that we have a heavenly father. Even the mention of the Lord's prayer, when he would give us the format of prayer, he would say, "Our Father." which art in heaven and and this was given to us because father is is the the definition of one that has unconditional love for his children it, it's it's not whether you do something right or do something wrong you receive it's it's he loves us in spite of he he loves us regardless of see it's hard for us as humans to wrap our mind around unconditional love because unconditional love means that it's an ever-present love and yet we tend to pass love when we think it's deserved if you do something that i like then if you disappoint me then And so when the Scripture talks about Father, it's saying that He loves you regardless of. He loves you in spite of. In fact, the concept of God's love to me is really defined in a story that did not turn out really well. Because the Bible tells us that there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus one day and said to Him, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, "Keep the commandments." Got it covered, man. I've kept the commandments since I was a child. My parents taught me the commandments. I adhered to the commandments. I, I I was faithful in the commandments. And yet Jesus said, "But one thing you lack." Well, what is what is that? He said, "Take all of your possessions and sell them and give to the poor and come." take up your cross and follow me and while we look at the end of the story because the bible said the rich young ruler walked away he went away sorrowful because his possessions were great his possessions were many it's not the fact that he walked away ladies and gentlemen it was a test of his true allegiance in other words what is most important what do you love most do you love the temporary or do you love the eternal Now, he was interested in eternal life because he said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit? I want eternal life. And yet the temporary was more overpowering than the eternal. But here's what I want to focus on for just a moment in this story is the fact that Jesus loved him enough to let him walk away. Now, most of us would not consider that love because we would want to run after him and say, wait a minute, maybe I maybe I put the cost of discipleship uh, higher than you're willing to pay. May, maybe I'm expecting too much of you, and yet the realization was that to receive the unconditional love of God then you have to render back to Him unconditional love. Now, I believe the end of this story would have been so much different, and if you were preaching, you could give your version, but this is mine. Because I really believe, had the young man said, absolutely, I'm willing to do that. I I will sell everything that I have because eternal life is more. I believe Jesus probably would have said, not necessary. Because I believe it was a test of the heart whether he was willing to give it up or not. See, I think a lot of things God would let us keep if we were really not attached to them. I want to duck and run for just a moment. I I really believe that the Lord would would let us enjoy a few more things if if it wasn't that they became the idol or the item of worship. Am I preaching to anybody today? That they become the item of worship rather than he becomes the item of worship. Because the very premise that God gave to mankind was love the Lord your God. How? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. In other words, he is first and foremost. And and that's what the whole book of Malachi was about is that we need to first of all begin by putting God in His rightful position. I just want to tell somebody today, when we put God in the rightful position that He deserves and we love Him with our soul, our heart, our mind, and our strength, it is the Father's good pleasure to give unto us the kingdom. It is the Father's good pleasure to pour out blessings upon us. Now, now I want to introduce a concept and and I'm going to try to behave myself here today but I want to introduce a concept because all my life and I'm, I'm just going to debunk a little theological myth here this morning because all my life I have heard that when He forgives me of my sin that He forgets my sin. And yet that would make God forgetful. That would put God in a place of amnesia. If He dwells simultaneously in the past, the present, and the future, that means there's nothing hid from Him. I want to help you today because I believe if you can grasp this concept it's going to even help you understand how much more that God loves you. Now. In, in, in the book of Micah, the seventh chapter, the 19th verse, and if you'll throw it up on the screen for me, because I think it's important enough that we take a look at Micah chapter 17 and verse number 19 from the word of the Lord. How many's glad to be in church today? How many's glad you came? God for our computer and webcasting volunteers. Don't they do an awesome job? Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Micah chapter 7 and verse number 19. Is it even in the Bible? Did I give them the wrong verse? Is it there? Oh. Okay. He will turn again. Now first of all, i just got to pause and ponder this for a moment. He will turn again. He will turn again. What this speaks to me is he's the God of second opportunities. See, us people that know he's had to turn not just once, but two or three or... 10 or 20 or 100 or 1000 he's had to turn again see if you realize that this is a work in progress and none of us got it right the first time it really generates a praise that he hadn't given up that that he hadn't stopped loving me That he hadn't stopped caring for me that he didn't give up on me when i made a mistake and fell beneath the dignity of a christian that that he still loved me when i said something wrong and did something wrong and and treated people oh my god in heaven ladies and gentlemen when we begin to understand he turned again somebody that realized he's turned again give him a turn again praise right now just give him a turn again praise uh, that he didn't give up on you that he didn't quit loving you oh I just got to praise him a moment he turned again it's like in John chapter 8 when the Bible said he stooped and began to write in the sand and then it said he stooped again He began to write something else. So he said, He will turn again and He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. Somebody that's still struggling with some sin right now in your life, I've got good news for you. He's gonna subdue your iniquities oh that's why we sung a little bit I feel like going on because I realize that he's a faithful God and it's like the psalmist said he remembers my frame I'm at but dust as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed my sin I gotta praise him again ladies and gentlemen because he had mercy on me and I may not conquer it today but I'm working on it I may not get through it today but I'm working on it tomorrow's gonna be better next week's going to be better Uh, this sin that controls me is someday going to be subdued uh, and I'm going to conquer this thing Somebody that has a little faith you're going to conquer something, give him a, sh- a praise. Give him a shout out. Some of you that believe uh, that the end is not yet. Uh, somebody that believes there's a better day coming. Uh, somebody that believes tomorrow, somehow by the grace of God, is going to be better than today. Uh, devil, you better get back and shut up uh, because when I fall, I shall arise. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to get on up. I'm going to get on up. I'm going to touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to get on up. I may have fallen yesterday, but I'm going to get on up. You better give me some space. You better give me some room. You better back off. You better get at them. Ah, I feel a little Holy Ghost. You better back off. That's not going to control me the rest of my life. I will, through the help of Jesus, conquer this thing. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. You better step on back and give me some room because I'm coming out he will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all 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 their sin into the depths of the sea now let me, let me behave myself but well, we've often taken this scripture and we said that he will cast them into the depths of the sea the sea of forgetfulness and he, you know we get a little clever with it, and say so put a sign that says no fishing. How I Anybody mean, ever heard that? I want you to be honest in church. You ever heard that? He cast our sea in the depths of the sin sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us anymore. Okay, but I want to take you to another portion of Scripture that is found in Jeremiah, chapter thirty-one at verse 34. Remember, he will cast your sins into the depths of the sea. Now here in Jeremiah 31, 34, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them until the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now, in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language has 4,000 total words. 4,000. The English language has almost a million words. And so a lot of words that we take with our English understanding means something totally different in the Hebrew language. And so with our English understanding, we read this and it says that he will remember our sin no more. Now, most of us take that into the context of how we live because some of us can't find our keys from yesterday. Some of you are still looking for your car in Walmart parking lot. And and one of our favorite cliches is when somebody asks us if we did something and we didn't. Oh, I forgot. Hello. And so we would just categorically bring that understanding into Jeremiah 31. And verse 34 when it says he will remember our sin no more. But I propose to this intelligent congregation today that God cannot forget in the sense that we forget. Now hold on before you check out. You got to hear the rest of the story. Because how many of us here today have forgiven somebody but we haven't? I mean, somebody did you wrong and you, from your heart, release forgiveness. And yet there's still memory. But forgiveness, I propose to you today, does not, and and I think we have gotten trapped in this concept because I have forgiven them, but God, I can't forget them. In the sense of, I know what they did. And yet the concept that God is introducing through His Word is that forgiveness is not forgetting. But when He says, I will remember your sin no more, He said that I will choose not to give you what you deserve to get. I mean, you know, we often say, you know, Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Mm -hmm, Yeah. See, our form of remembrance is I get you. And we kind of lay a trap and a plan because you're going to pay. I have a remembrance of what you did. But forgiveness says, even though you deserve a recompense for your actions, I choose not to render what you deserve. And so God is introducing a concept that I know who you are. Oh, come on, somebody. I know every sin you ever committed. I know every unrighteous deed that you've ever done. In fact, not only do I know your deeds and your actions, I know your thoughts. Oh, go go to Psalms 139 and read it in your private devotions when he said, I understand your thoughts afar far off. I know the words before they're formed in your tongue. Uh, you can't hide. The darkness can't hide you. Uh, nothing can hide you. The night is like the day to me. I see it all. I know it all. But ladies and gentlemen, there's an element. When we ask God to forgive us, uh, he said you are forgiven and I will not uh, do what should be done to you. I will not remember it. There will be no remembrance. Oh, Jesus, have No, no. watch, watch this for a second. I've got, I've got to close because I'm out of time. But watch here. The Bible talks in the book of Hebrews that there is a remembrance of sin. There's a remembrance of sin every year. Anybody ever read that? Hebrews chapter 9? There is a remembrance of sin every year year. It's going to happen. There's there's, there's a remembrance because there was no atonement for sin. The lamb simply pushed sin ahead a year. Can you imagine the sin from Adam till the last baby born before Calvary? Can you imagine the massive pile of sin that had collected because sin was never done away with, sin was remembered, and so every year they offered on the atonement offering, they put blood on the mercy seat to simply push sin further. Because they, in the old covenant, I wish I had time to really dissect this, but I just got a gift for it real quick. The old covenant. Looked forward to the cross. You and I have the privilege of looking. So every year, every day, if you made a mistake, you had to drag a lamb to the altar, you had to have the priest slay it, but it never took care of sin. And so there's a remembrance of sin. And God said vengeance is mine I will repay vengeance is mine I will repay I remember sin but there's coming a day because Jeremiah 3134 is a prophecy and he said there's coming a day when I will remember your sin no more. Yes, you've sinned. Yes, you've done the dirty. Yes, you've thought about it. you said it. You did it all. But there's coming a day when I will not be able to remember your sin because the books are going to be settled. I love that old song that just simply says, and the pages have been stained with the blood shed for me. I can't see them. Praise God. Neither can He. What's been forgiven... It's been forgotten. Why? Because he's not going to remember our sin against us. Now, I want you to ponder a question as I come to a close. I want you to to ponder your ability to forgive somebody. See, I'm going to begin a, a series on the cross here in just a few weeks. I was so moved just a week ago by a message I heard on the cross. Paul said, I saved and know nothing among you except the cross and Christ and Him crucified. If I'm gonna glory, I'm gonna glory in the cross. I'm gonna start a series on the cross because the cross is the most powerful icon of the past, the present, and the future. Because it's at the cross both the victim and the victimizer. Some of you just shut it down right there because you you got grace for the victim. But the cross has grace for the victimizer. At the foot of the cross there's grace for the person that's been raped. And there's grace for the person that raped. At the foot of the cross, there's grace for the prostitute. And there's grace for the perpetrator. But in our ability to forgive, we often still want to hold the person accountable for their actions. And so here is this enormous mountain of sin. And Paul gives us a little understanding in Romans chapter 5 when he says that by one man's sin, death passed upon all. But by one man's obedience, life, many are made alive. Notice the difference. It didn't say all, but all came under condemnation of death because of Adam's sin. What he's saying there is only though that trust in Jesus, so many because of his obedience, many are made righteous. See, I can offer you grace today, I can offer you mercy today, but if you are not a recipient of it, life is not coming to you. If you push away the cross, if you push away the grace of God, then life is not coming to you. Just like the rich young ruler who walked away because his possessions were many. But I have to tell you, the love of God is still the same whether you choose to love him or not. And so this enormous mountain of sin and Paul says to the Romans that where sin abounded. See, it's the equilibrium point between the covenant of the law and the covenant of grace. And it reaches a pinnacle And he says, but I want you to know where sin abounded, where sin crested, where sin reached its apex, where sin was paramount, grace, why it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how low you've been, how long you've been there. Where sin reached its apex. Grace superseded or grace abounded. See, some of you are still wondering how God can love you. Because you know who you are. And you know where you've been. And you know what you've done. And you know how low you are. And you're wondering if even the person that you victimized could forgive you i got to tell you today where sin reached its apex grace superseded sin grace abounded over sin oh jesus have mercy help me holy ghost and so you help me brother jerry and so god cannot forget your sin I don't don't know but in studying this it made me understand that he loved me more than I could ever imagine remember back in Malachi chapter chapter 1 where God said I gave you my best in spite of everything because he's going to unload on them all kinds of things that they've done but he said, in spite of that, I gave you my best. Calvary Calvary was not a second-rate event. Cal, Calvary was not less than God's best. Paul said about Calvary, though he was rich, he became poor. That we through his poverty... Oh, God have mercy. See, you've got to understand, and I've got to understand today that God literally bankrupted heaven to purchase the antidote so you would not be subject to the vengeance of God. Man, I read in the scripture about God. He's a mighty warrior. I read where he wets his sword in his enemies. I read where he recompenses judgment. He recompenses to the fifth and the fourth and the fifth generation. He says, I'll render my blessing to the thousandth generation. I see a God that can never forget. If you remember last week, the Bible said, we talked about a book of remembrance. Things you're doing today reap benefits down the road because he's got a book of remembrance. So your faithfulness today produces blessings down the road. Hey, I I got to share with you. I got to share with you. I got to share with you. And I I won't pull names and I I won't embarrass anybody. But in the last few weeks, we've got people that are being blessed with new homes we've got people that are being blessed with new jobs we've got people being blessed financially because God keeps good records see one of the fallacies go ahead clap your hands that's awesome that's awesome that's awesome one of the fallacies is that we think if we do something today I get the benefit tomorrow but sometimes the benefit doesn't come till years later. And you think all of it, oh, well, where'd this come from? It came from being faithful way back over here. Why? Because God never forgets. Now, I got to tell you the caveat to that, ladies and gentlemen, if you continue living your life in sin, God doesn't forget that either. He, he rewards the just and he sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. And the Bible talks about a book. Daniel talked about it. He said, there's coming a day when the books will be open and rewards are going to be passed out. Now, when we think of the word reward, again, in our English language, we just think, well, it's going to be something really nice. But when he says he will pass out rewards, he is simply saying, I will give you in recompense to your actions. So Paul would explain this in the book of Corinthians when he said, if you sow to the flesh, you of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the wind, you of the wind reap the whirlwind. But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. See, i got to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, i got to tell you that the wages of sin has not changed. The wages of sin is still death. But the gift of God is life eternal. And so, if God never forgets, some of you are thinking, my God, if He doesn't forget, I've been a bad bad boy you know and one of your favorite songs is what you gonna do when they come but between then and now there's a cross planted that says if you'll trust me if you'll trust me God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life as the house lights come down and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed even though he does not forget, he says, I will not remember your sin anymore. I'm not going to hold you accountable. Why? Because there was a cross one day on a hill called Calvary. And the Son of God hung suspended between heaven and earth. That's the day that truth became a lie. That's the day that the sinless became sin. That's the day when He carried our sorrow and He bore our griefs. That's the day when all the sin, your sin, my sin, was placed upon His shoulders. And you know what his answer to that was? It is finished. It is finished. So I got to tell you today that he loves you so much. That even though he knows what you were and what you have been. He doesn't see you. you were he sees you becoming what he has designed you to become because of the blood he shed on Calvary and ladies and gentlemen I come to tell you today he does not remember your sin against you am I guilty yes I'm guilty have I sinned We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I stand in Christ, a new creature today. He doesn't look at me what I used to be. He looks at me as what I'm becoming through His grace, through His power, through His blood.